you are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. still walking. I'm supposed to be here by now. All right, here I am. I made it. Just in time. Uh, welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Adam. Uh, I preach here sometimes, every once in a while. Um, glad to see all of you here today. And those of you joining online, thank you for joining us. Um, maybe you're here today, maybe for the first time, maybe you're watching online for the first time, or maybe it's just been a little bit and forgot about some of the things we say every week about who we are. But we are a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. We seek to do that in four big ways. Uh, one is practice love with everyone always. Ch- give more than makes sense. Chase after the likeness of Christ in every area of our life. And then anchor ourselves to the truth of God's word. Um, so that's who we are. That's what we do. I have a few announcements for you today. Uh, I want to make sure I get those right. So have them here. So uh, first one is we are uh, partnering once again with Caring for Kids and hosting a blessing tree, formerly known as Angel Tree. They had to change the name of that for some other reasons. The tree will be set up in the lobby starting next Sunday. And gifts, not gaffs. It's not a word. It's not a word people use, Adam. This is starting really well, I can tell. It's going to be a good sermon. Amen. All right. Gifts. Gifts. Uh, now I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Uh, gifts can be returned on the I was so hung up on that unwrapped part. The gifts, gifts have to be here unwrapped because that's, that's important. So please bring them unwrapped. Uh, second one is the Chase Conference that we were planning for uh, in the next week or so. That has been postponed for now. There will be more information about that coming out uh, as we get that information together. Also, The month of November has five Sundays, and we'll be starting a new family Sunday on all fifth Sundays. That means all programming for ages kindergarten and up will not run on those Sundays, and the children will be invited into the service, and the children in, with the children in mind uh, during that time. We're really excited about this new rhythm, as it really supports and encompasses how we envision families worshiping and learning together. So, fifth Sundays of every month now, we'll have the kids in here in uh, what I affectionately refer to as Big People Church, um, because that's fun for me to say. So, we'll have the kids in here on the fifth Sunday of every month. um, So, that begins this November. If you have any questions about any of these, feel free to contact uh, Tara or anybody else on staff who can speak English better than I do and knows what's going on. So that would be helpful for everybody. All right. So today we are in James chapter 4. This is our ninth week in our, uh, I think, 12-week series on the book of James. Um, But before we dig into that, I'm curious, by show of hands, how many of you have had uh, a uniquely exciting week in one way or the other? It could be exciting bad, could be exciting good. Anybody? Few of us? Okay, good. So for, for, for myself and everybody else uh, that wrote, raised their hands, 
And for those of you that, again, English is tough. Like, you would think that I don't know it, but it's the only language I do know other than Pig Latin, which isn't actually even a language. Um, just a weird trick that my grandpa did. But anyways, uh, so for those of you, myself included, who have had just a little bit of an exciting week, there's been a lot going on, uh, I'm going to pray again, if that would be good. So God, we thank you for this time. God, I pray that over the next 20 minutes or so as we go through this message, help us to anchor ourselves to the truth of your word. Help us to tie our lives deeply into the unchanging truth of who you are. Regardless of how chaotic, of how uncertain, uh, unstable the world around us may be, help us be a people that find our foundation in nothing less and nothing more than the unchanging truth of who you are. God, help us to apply this word to our lives today. God, and I pray that because of the time that we spend in your word here today, that you would change the way we interact with others for your glory and for our good. God, I pray that after today, we'd be better equipped to represent you well in the world. And we thank you and praise you for it in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so like I said, we are in the, in the 12th week of the book of James. James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, they're all kind of my favorite. Like, which one's your favorite? Oh, this one's my favorite, and then this one's also my favorite. And then it's like someone, somebody asked me, what's my favorite kind of pizza? Uh, I really like taco. I also really like chicken club. Like, what kind of, I don't know, what day is it? That's what my favorite kind of pizza is. But James is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And one of the reasons why that is, is I feel like James like really just lays out very clearly, like, okay, you have this faith in Christ now. You have this faith in God. Here's how you do it. Like, here's how you live it. Like, here's some ways that you can apply this to your life. And for me, I need that. Like, I need something that says, okay, Adam, in situations like this, here's maybe the best way to handle it. Here's the best way to represent God well. I need that in my life. So I really like the book of James, and I think it speaks to the world that we live in today, because I think James helps us find just a little bit more stability in our lives. And it seems like if one thing most people agree on is that they would like just a little bit more stability in their lives. Like, I haven't met anybody yet over the course of this year who has said to me, you know what I really hope 2021 looks like? I hope it looks a lot like 2020. Like, if... <laughs> If maybe even just a little bit more uncertain. Like, if we could get that, like, I'd be really, really happy about that. I haven't met anybody like that. Like, most people that I talk to, and I, I do some counseling, I, I talk with people, um, and I chase cows sometimes. They don't want the next year to look like this either. They, not that the cows talk to me. I'm not... Okay, maybe I, maybe I try to talk to them, but they don't talk to me yet. But I haven't met anybody who says, I just... I wish things were just a little more uncertain, just a little more chaotic. Like, we all crave stability in our lives. We want to know that something is sure, that we can actually trust in something. That regardless of whatever else goes on around us, that we can have peace in some areas of our lives. Now, there are multiple obstacles to that instability, right? Many of them we can't control. Most of them we can't control. There's a lot that is outside of our control. But one of the things that often gets in the way of our own stability, we think anyways, this will make more sense in a minute maybe, and please don't take this the wrong way, 
But one of the things that gets in the way of our instability is interactions with people. Have you ever noticed that before? Like, people don't always do the things that you would want or expect people to do. I don't know if any of you have noticed that. Like, there's been times where I thought, this is what's going to happen in this situation. And felt like I've been fairly certain that when I go into this situation and I do this, then this is going to happen. And then that doesn't happen at all. The exact opposite of the thing that I thought was going to happen ended up happening. And it, I thought we were going to, like, this was going to be peaceful and yay. But then when it actually happened, it was everything but peaceful and yay. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that's experienced that, but I've often find uh, that people don't do the things that I think or expect people would do. And here's what happened happens to some people, never me, never me, but other people. Okay, maybe sometimes me too. I find myself offended by that. I find myself frustrated by that. Like I put all this work into this thing, I put all this stuff into this thing, all this effort, and then it didn't go the way that I wanted it to do, and now I'm frustrated. And I have this tendency sometimes to start to blame that person for doing things the way they did things. I don't know if that's making sense to anybody or not. I kind of hope that it is. Otherwise, this is going to be rough for a little while. But hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. Like, we want stability so bad in our lives, but because like, we're created for community, like, we need people in our lives. We need to be around people. But people also have this way of acting a lot like people and doing the things that people do, and they're unpredictable, and it can be confusing sometimes. And there's these things called emotions, and we're like, whoa, what is this? I don't know what to do with that. And then if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same thing. Sometimes we create instability for other people. Sometimes people expect us to act in a certain way and behave in a certain way. But then it doesn't go that way, does it? So how do we actually deal with that? And how do we navigate a world where people sometimes disagree with us? I don't know if any of you have noticed that either. But sometimes I have opinions and thoughts on things. And not everybody agrees my opinion and thoughts on things. Even though I know that my opinions, don't ask my wife Tara, but I know that my thoughts and opinions are genius and always the right thing to do. Please know that's a joke. I know that there was one, that one time I was wrong. Just that one thousandth time that I was wrong. Right? And then we're confused sometimes when people have different opinions than us. And then we get upset. And then we live in a world now that feels like if we disagree with somebody, then we have to be enemies with them. That's not always the way that it works. Because Ultimately, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we're anchoring ourselves to this truth, and by this truth I mean God's Word, then that can be something that we can have a foundation on no matter what. Regardless of what other disagreements we may have with each other, we can find stability and peace in this. But still, working with people, interacting with people, can be complicated. And I think James has some really good insights for us. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. I think we'll, we'll see four big things here that I think James helps us deal with. All right, so James chapter 4, verse 1. If you have Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, it'll be on your screen. James says this. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, 
What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You desire, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So sometimes when we're working with others, like James sets this up really good. Like it almost feels like a leading question, doesn't it? Like where James comes up and he's like, so what causes fights and quarrels among you? And if you're reading this, or maybe you're one of the original hearers of this, you're thinking to yourself, that guy, like that guy over there, or maybe that lady, that lady over there, they cause the fights and quarrels among us, right? It's because of them. That's why we're fighting and we're quarreling. And you're, maybe, maybe you're reading this, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time, or maybe you're one of James's, you know, first century, first hearers of this word. I think that made sense. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, James is, James is going to agree with me. James is going to say, it's all, all those people out there. That's, that's what causes the fights and the quarrels among us. And then James comes and says, is it not this? No, your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. So James like takes this thing, and sometimes, again, I don't know if everybody's guilty of this, but I know I have been in my life many times. I think it's not my fault we're in a fight right now. It's that person's fault we're in a fight right now. But here's another thing that I found. I, I have no control over that person, like whatsoever. I can't make that person do anything. The only thing I have somewhat of influence over is my own reaction to things. I can't make them do the thing that I want to do. I can only try to influence myself, right? I mentioned cows earlier, and maybe this will make sense, or maybe it won't. Maybe it's just an excuse for me to tell a cow story. I don't really know anymore. But I work at Brickhouse. We have cattle. We raise the cattle, and then we sell the beef from the cattle to help support the ministry. And I have found that when I work with cattle, I can't walk into the barn or the lot and say, hey, cow, do this. They don't, they don't listen. They just look at me. Or sometimes I run away. Or sometimes I say, hey, do this, and they turn and they run after me, right? which is really not fun at all. Any of you who have ever been chased by a cattle before, and I know some cattle are steers and some cattle are cows. So I just say cattle. So if you're an actual cattle farmer here and you're upset by my language, it's because I don't know what I'm talking about. So you have to forgive me, I think, right? Because Jesus said, I'm pretty sure. But I try to tell that cattle what to do and then that cattle doesn't do, it, it turns and runs after me, right? And that happened a few times this year. We're trying to load these cattle and they're like, um, I don't want to be loaded today. And I tried patiently explaining to them that today's the day you need to be loaded because I have other things I need to do. So you need to go into that trailer so that I can go home and enjoy my life and not chase you anymore. And they turned and they ran after me. And then, so then I'm running away. In fact, one time in particular stands out. We're in a, in a barn and we're trying to force these cattle where we want them to go. And then they turn and they run after us. And then I'm left standing there with one angry cattle on this side of me and another, another angry cattle on this side of me. 
And I thought to myself, and said out loud in a very probably scared voice, um, because I'm so brave, now what do I do? Like, there's nowhere to go. Like, uh, I, I lived, I'm here. So, and I lived by just screaming, like, like I was scared. So that worked out well. But that's the way it can feel like with people sometimes too, right? Like we're trying, we want people to fit into our box and to do the things that we want them to do, but it just doesn't work that way. And we're so quick to say it's because of that person, but James and God's word comes at us very strongly and says like, it's you. Like there are passions inside of you. Like there are things inside of you. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of the things that we find ourselves fighting about are not heaven hell issues. They can be things that we can have disagreements about. We can have healthy debate even. We can discuss and we can try to figure something out. But James is telling us that the thing that is causing the trouble, it's inside of us. It's inside of all of us. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans where he talks about there's this battle inside of him where the things he wants to do are not the things that he does. And the things that he doesn't want to do are not always the thing that he wants to do. There's this thing inside of all of us that distracts us. And we think that those arguments are moving us closer to stability, but actually moving us further away from stability. So if we're looking for stability in our lives with others, start just looking at ourselves and making sure that our reactions honor God and our the way we interact with people honors God. Not allowing the passions and desires inside of us causes trouble. And that word murder, like that's a pretty, pretty strong word. Like it's a pretty, pretty harsh word. Like you hear that word and you kind of pay attention to it. At least I do. And it may seem a bit extreme, but it's the same word that James's brother, Jesus, used when he says, I, I tell you the truth. Like, you've heard it said not to murder anyone. But if you have anger, bitterness in your heart towards someone, if you commit a murder against them, that's some heavy stuff. And I used to joke that I can't hardly drive anywhere without, like, committing murder in my heart. Like, because I have issues. Like, and I try not to joke about it now, but I just did. But... <clears throat> But that we, it's so easy, so easy to let that anger consume us, let that anger control us. I've done it many times. But if we want stability in our lives, if we want stability with the people in our lives, because we need people in our lives, people are a blessing. We need, sometimes we need people who think differently than us too. Then we need to deal with the passions in our own heart. That's where it starts. But then James goes on and has more encouraging words for us. In verse 4, he says this, You adulterous people. James, I just wish you would tell me how you really felt. Like just, what are you thinking now, James? You adulterous people, do you not know 
That friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity with God, that's a, that's a fancy word that we don't use anymore. Uh, maybe we should. Maybe that's our challenge for the week. Use the word enmity more often in regular talk. But it just it means like, uh, like animosity, just like strongly against somebody. Do you not know that uh, friendship with the world is enmity to make yourself an enemy of God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you, not, do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he is made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if we're going to, what is this idea of friendship with the world and friendship with God and being a friend of the world makes us an enemy of God? What does that even mean? I think part of it is about our focus. Like, what is it that we're trying to do? Like, are we trying to, I don't know if impress is the right word, but when we have friends, right? When we have friends or someone that we're trying to make friends with, we want that person to like us, right? We want that person to think highly of us. So maybe, maybe we start to think about or talk, start to talk about the things that they enjoy talking about. Maybe we start to maybe do some of the things that they enjoy doing. You know, think back to a time uh, when it was difficult to make friends. Maybe you moved someplace new for the first time or started a new job or uh, were in middle school. That's a, that's a time that's difficult to make friends because everything's difficult in middle school. And it's easy to find yourself start kind of going along with the crowd and going along with everybody else, right? There's this thing that happens. We start to reflect the people around us. I've heard somebody say, I think maybe it was John Maxwell or somebody else, that um, you'll be the exact same person you were today as you are, or the exact same person five years from now as you were today, except for the people you, re- people you meet and the books you read. Not the people you read and the books you meet. Kind of the same, but different. Anyways, hey, the people are in our lives, they have a huge influence on us, right? Because we start to conform to whatever group it is that we're in, to whatever group of people it is we're spending time with. And we're trying to make friends with somebody, we start to try to make ourselves look like that person a little bit. That may be overly simplistic, and I know adults don't actually do that anymore. Yes, we do. We, we do that sometimes too. Maybe not quite as much as what we used to when we were younger, but it still happens. It has an influence on us. The people we spend time with, they influence us, whether we want them to or not. So things we listen to, books we read, it all influences us. And I think that's this idea of friendship, of who is it I'm trying to kind of bend to, to, I don't know, make like me. Now, with God, it's not quite like that, right? We're not making God like us because God already loves us because of the work Christ did in our, for us and then through us. But are we trying to make our lives reflect Him? Or are we trying to mold our lives to reflect the world? And I think that's the point James is getting at here. When it comes to friendship, either friendship with the world or friendship with the God, where is not with the God, with God. Where's our focus at? What is it that we're focusing on? What is it that's of vital importance to us? We can live and we can work and we can move through the world where our focus and our, 
our drive is nothing more than to make the people around us happy and try to keep peace with everybody. It doesn't, doesn't always work, right? The Bible tells us that as much as it's on you, be peacemakers, be at peace with everyone. But there's a lot of that that's not on us. Or we can move through the world and try to navigate the world in such a way that our main focus is on God. Trying to live a life that pleases Him and brings glory and honor to His name, not our own name. It may sound like a subtle difference, but it actually makes a huge difference in our lives. And one area it makes a difference in our lives is just it's like level of stress, right? God is already perfectly satisfied with me, so I can rest in that. And then I can start to live my life through that place of acceptance already. I don't have to worry about making God like me. I can just start to be the person God has called me to be. And when we do that, a lot of those other things in our lives, it's weird, but it starts to fall into place, right? When we make God our focus, make living for Him our focus, some of those other interactions in our lives just they just kind of fall in line. Not always. There's still difficulty. There's still hardship, right? But that hardship and that difficulty is a good thing. Like the passage Damon read this morning during worship, like that produces endurance, which produces hope. So we need those challenges. But if we go through those challenges with our primary focus on, can I make everybody in the world like me? Can I be a friend of the world? Then we're going to get through those challenges and we're going to be incredibly dissatisfied and frustrated still. We're going to live in those challenges, be incredibly dissatisfied and frustrated. But if we can move through those challenges with our main focus being on God, because that doesn't change. It's not a moving target. God's standards for our lives and God's call to us, what he's invited us into, that doesn't change throughout time. But every other standard does. Every other measurement of success changes all the time. But with God, it stays the same. And James uses very strong words here to try to remind us of that. Like, this is our focus. I want to be a friend of God. And then verse 6, I love what he says there, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We're not going to get this right all the time. We're going to mess it up. Those passions, those desires that are at war within us, they're going, to, they're going to mess things up for us a lot. Because it's just part of being people. But as we continue to go back to God in those things, He continues to give that grace, continues to encourage us to grow and help us grow. So if we're going to have some stability with people, we start to focus on ourselves and how we respond to things. We can't change the way others respond. We're going to have to remember our main focus. Make sure that it's God. It's not everything else. And then he goes on. He says this in verse 7. He says, Submit yourselves to God, therefore. I said that backwards. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. 
Again, verse 9, like James is using some pretty strong language again. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Ah, like it's just hard stuff. And the idea of mourning um, may be a little different in the first century uh, Middle Eastern world. All right, when they mourned, you see it in, um, in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. People are weeping and wailing and they're crying and carrying on. And it's a, it's a big thing, right? And they took that verse, weep with those who weep, very, very seriously. And we don't always mourn that way anymore. Maybe, maybe sometimes it'd be helpful too. You know, just get a good cry out of our system. Some weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like sometimes it's good for the soul to weep and gnash your teeth. Maybe not. I don't know. I feel like it is sometimes. But he's using this, this very strong language again to try to remind us, like, this is, this is a big deal. This life with God, it's a big deal. And we're so tempted to be distracted from it, right? So, so tempted to be distracted from it. And I think maybe that's what he's getting at when he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Peter tells us that uh, Satan, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's this thing that happens where we get, we get distracted by everything else going on around us. And we start to feel stressed, and we start to feel worried, and we start to get tense and anxious. And I'm not saying that all those things that distract us aren't legitimate things. And each of the things that distract us from God in our lives are likely very legitimate, distracting things. Very difficult. Life is, like, life is not easy. And the more people I meet, the more people I spend time with, the more I realize that life has a lot of suffering in it. Life has a lot of things that happens, happen to us and happen to others, people that we care about. We don't really have a box for we don't really have a way of, like, filing this thing away. There's been times where I've heard people say things and sat with people, and I think to myself, like, I, haven't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to help in that situation. Where do I even, where do I even file that away in my brain? So the very legitimate things that distract us and pull us away from God God is still good. God is still loving. The, the truth of who God is doesn't change based on the circumstances around us. He doesn't change. Like whatever stressor, whatever frustration, whatever instability causing event that's happened in your life or in our lives, God is still God. He's still who he says he is, who he's just shown himself to be through Christ. We can still trust in him. That means I can continue to resist that temptation to get distracted by that thing over there that is frustrating me or pulling me away. Because I find that when I am less stressed and less distracted by everything else going on around me, interactions with people tend to go a lot better and tend to work uh, much more gooder to use poor grammar, just to try to emphasize my point. That was an intentional use of bad grammar. Uh, so hopefully that's okay. But when I, 
when I resist that temptation, my interactions with people, our interactions with people, go a lot better. Have you ever been talking to someone? You don't have to out yourself on this one, but been talking to someone, and they say something to you, and they ask you a question. And you have this brief moment of panic where you think to yourselves, I have no idea what they're saying. I just, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe a few of it, I'm hearing a couple chuckles, so maybe you're either laughing at me because I've experienced that, and maybe you've witnessed me experience that. I don't know if you have, I apologize. But this brief moment of panic, like, I was thinking about something else. Like, I, what? I missed what you said to me, so please explain yourself again. Or, or maybe you just say, say a quick prayer, Lord cover me, and then you say yes. And, and then you hope that you didn't agree to something crazy. Like, they ask you just to buy you a steak dinner, and you're like, um, yes. Whoever does that, I hope to find you today after church and ask you for a steak dinner. But you'll be looking for it, so it won't work. But when we're not actually focused on the conversation in front of us, like that can cause some trouble, right? That can cause some, some hazards to our lives. If we're so distracted by everything around us that we miss what's happening right in front of us. And I think that's one of the things that happens to us so often. One of the biggest causes of instability is we're just, we're just not there, we have so many other things in our mind. We have so many other things that we're being distracted by. And I know that's not everything that James is talking about here. There's a lot more to it than just even that friendship piece, right? James is talking a lot here. But if we can start to resist that urge to chaos, that urge to focus on that stuff, and actually focus on God, submit ourselves to Him, and try to be about the Father's business, like, I love that phrase that Jesus says. Like, he says, I mean, I only see the things that I see the Father's doing. Like, I, that's all I want to be about. I'm just about his business. And I get distracted. And, and that business, I want to clarify this real quick. That business doesn't necessarily mean like full-time ministry all the time. Sometimes it means just in your workplace, representing Christ well and everything that you say and everything that you do, the way that you do business, the way you interact with others, the way that you create a product or paint a fence, to use Mr. Miyagi's language. Whatever it is that you're doing, like Paul says, do that thing to the best of your ability. And that, that'll help us interact with people better and not allow the passions that distract us from that, from that bigger purpose that God is doing. Because ultimately, we don't know how God is using us in that person's life. We don't know the things that we're dealing with. We don't know what's going on. Like Paul said, like some, some plant, like some water, some, some get to see the harvest. And maybe you're just that brief interaction you have with that person where you're not allowing the chaos in your life to consume you and distract you from what God is doing in that moment. Maybe that brief interaction with per, that person, plant a little bit of a seed, try to help them grow. I've had people influence my life who didn't even know they influenced my life. And people who shared an encouraging word with me that had no idea the blessing that that was to me. And you know, they may never know. Sometimes we don't even remember all those people. Sometimes it's a person we barely even know. But pay attention to those moments. Resist that temptation. Because we're better representatives of Christ when we're less stressed. 
We're not focused on all those things. We represent him better then. And then lastly, James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, last portion of scripture we'll read today. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law, judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Therefore, sorry, there is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, a few things about this little, couple little verses here. Some pretty powerful stuff here, I think. This idea of judging. Spend just a little bit of time with that. To say that something is sinful, is sinful, is not us placing ourselves as judge. That's allowing God's word to be the judge, right? There are things that God word like don't murder, right? Because not a good thing to do, right? We can, that's something that God's word says. Something that parents love, children obey your parents for this is good and this is right. And if you don't, it's not, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. That is a great one to quote to your kids all the time all the time, as often as you can, because it's fun to say, right? We, we all agree that that's, that's God's Word, and that's what God's Word says. So for, for me to expect my children to do the things that I tell them to do is not me placing myself as judge over them. That's me allowing the truth of God's Word to try to be applied to their lives and help them grow, to help them be the men and women, because I have two boys and one girl, men and women that yeah, that God has called them to be in their lives. That's what that is. And in our own lives, like we need God's word to mold us and shape us. So when someone comes to us as a brother or as a sister and lovingly says, like the book of Galatians says, hey, like that's, that's not right. Like there's some things going on here. It's not quite right. Like let's, let's deal with this stuff. That's not that person, the person placing themselves as judge over them trying to hold you accountable to God's word. And that can be a good thing. Now, there's a way that we can do this that isn't healthy, right? We just attack people. And we use God's word as our ammunition. We're like, that verse, that verse, that verse, right? And we're just tossing them like ninja stars. I don't know why I use ninja stars for that, but that seemed like the appropriate thing that I was doing with my hands. Um, and that's the way we use God's word. That, that's not what James, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what James is getting at here. It doesn't line up with everything else going on in scripture. But there's also this point where he says, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's almost this point that there's still the standard that God is calling us to live up to. There's a way of life, and we covered this when we went through the fruits of the Spirit. There's a way of life that God is inviting us into to live for Him. Again, not to earn our salvation, but because we've been given salvation. We want to follow God. We want to do the things that He's asked us to do because it's just good. Like, I, I want to serve him. We, we want to serve because we've seen what he's done in our lives. We've seen, as Paul said, I was the chief of sinners, but now I'm a slave to Christ. But I'm, I want to be a slave to Christ. Like it's a life that I'm choosing to live. 
That's what God has invited us into. There's this idea here that James is getting at here that there's a standard that God is asking us, calling us, and then empowering us through his Holy Spirit to live up to. And then the last point from this verse says there's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? That reminds us that I don't have to worry about figuring everything out for everybody. I can't figure everything out for everybody. Being honest, I can't figure out things for myself, right? One of the things that it seems like stresses us out, causes instability in our lives when it comes to interacting with people, is constantly trying to fix people, trying to make them be who God wants them to be. We can invite them into it. We can lay it out for them. Even with our kids, I can try to set up our home in such a way that would lead them to follow God someday. And I can do everything in my power to do that. But they, ultimately, they still have to choose. I have to choose what it is, what path they'll follow. Right? And when I take that burden off of myself and trust God with that burden, I can bring a whole lot of peace to my life. I can bring a whole lot of peace to my interactions with others. Because suddenly that pressure of making everything right and being perfect and doing everything exactly the right way, it's not on me anymore. Because God continues to give grace. God continues to help us in our weakness. Because that's who he is, and he doesn't change. We can trust in that. Ultimately, a few things here. Just recap. If we're going to have a little less instability in interaction with people, I've started to focus on the things we can control, things we can influence, our own passions, our own desire. We have to remember the main focus. And my primary goal is to continue to grow as a friend of God, not as a friend of the world. I'm better when I'm less stressed. We're better when I'm not allowing myself to be distracted by everything else going around me, when I'm focused on God and what he's called me to do. And when I allow God to be the ultimate authority, in somebody's life, not me. Ultimately, all of this falls on the foundation of God's Word, right? If I'm going to interact, interact with people, if I'm going to have more stability in my life, all, all the way around, regardless of what it, what it, whatever area it might be, I need to anchor myself to the truth of this Word. Because everything else changes. Everything else is unstable. And when this isn't our foundation for stability, we start to find it in all these other areas. And we can find it in unhealthy ways. We can find it in ways that end up destroying ourselves and our relationships with others. But when I focus on trying to make this book, God's Word, as the foundation of my life, I can have more instability in my life. Yeah, there's still... There's still frustrations. There's still chaos. There's still a lot that I can't control. 2021 might be crazier than 2020. I find it hard to believe, but I've thought that every month this year. And then every month this year, I'm like, well, that's happening now. That's fun. Like, that's exciting. But when this is our foundation, 
This helps us navigate whatever uncharted waters we come to next, whether it be in interactions with others, even our interactions with ourselves. We can have more stability because of his word. So I'll pray. Dear God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that it doesn't change. God, and I thank you that whatever instability there is in our lives, our interactions with others, interactions with the world around us, none of it is a surprise to you. We can continue to make you our foundation. So God, this week as we, as we close with a brief moment of worship here, I pray that you do that for us. Help us to refocus. Help us to, or maybe just maintain our focus on you. Let you be our highest goal. In your name I pray. Amen.